0: All right, we are back. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Welcome back to Culture Insanity, the podcast. We are in season four, episode number four, and we have another guest with us today. So, of course, we have Pastor Monty, we have myself, and today we have
1: Pastor Dave.
0: <laughs> Pastor Dave. So, Pastor David has been a partner with us um, for the last, I don't know, a couple of years or so, two Two years, four. three years, four four years. Time flies. <laughs> yeah, um. So he's been a part of our um cross examination panel discussions. Where we're talking about all these different theological issues and cultural issues and how we should address them as as Christians and as pastors. And so, yes, he's he's been our, a church partner of us. His church, uh, Prince of Peace, is in Battleground, Washington. So he is joining us today as our next guest on the show. Going to talk about all things um, crazy going on in pop culture. <coughs> so. Thanks for coming, David. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're excited to have you. And as you can see, David um, wore a very appropriate shirt today in in um, preparation of our <laughs> of our show. So, uh, so yeah, we're back, and thank you guys for coming. Um, so we have a few things on our dock today, and as usual, we'll get to what we get to. We uh, you know we have all these things prepared, and the flow of discussion you know takes us where it takes us in the hour that we have. So. As you might have seen on our, you know, different social media posts advertising our show, we're going to be talking about some Pixar uh, news that uh, we find ourselves, you know, reading about today. On top of that, we got Disney um, in the news, along with a bunch of other pop culture juggernauts in terms of what they're involved with. We're going to be talking about culture appropriation. Justin Bieber and uh, Gwen Stefani find themselves in the heat of that um, decade-long debate decades long <laughs> debate, and an issue and then if we get to it as we were talking about off air just now uh kevin smith uh silent bob from the JN silent bob movies um uh he's he's auctioning off his movie in the uh as a non-fungible token i got that right non-fungible token in an so like crypto the whole crypto world so again those are the things we got on the docket we'll get to what we get to and I think these guys have uh, you know already you know read up on the different articles we're sourcing from so um, it should be good so let's uh, let's just get right into it so Pixar is the first thing on our on our thing today you guys both read about what Pixar's got going on so Pixar for those of you that don't know that are listening and watching um, Pixar' is in the news right now because they are, have put out a casting call for their first uh, transgender character, basically. And I don't know if that means that their casting call is for, specifically, a transgender actor slash actress. I, I didn't really get that from the article. Did you guys get that? They're just looking for someone to fill a, a character that will be transgender. Is that how you interpreted that in, that's, the, in the Yeah, article? that's what I saw. That's a whole nother, that's a whole nother sidebar because nowadays it's not enough to have representation in a movie. you have to have lit- the actual person who's playing the character <laughs> has to be of that, uh, whatever you call it demographic or, or whatever. Um.
1: Well, you know that's something that I've been kind of watching with sort of horror mm-hmm. is that this kind of gets rid of acting period. Right. Uh, if you remember the Coen brothers famous for "Oh brother, where art thou got into trouble because they had too I think many famous for
0: Fargo, but that's, <laughs> well,
1: there's Fargo. There's "Oh brother where art there. There's the best movie, uh, the Hudsucker proxy, um, ever. So, you know, they get into trouble ever. because <laughs> ever, <laughs> you know, um, they get into trouble because they tell stories and the stories are very specific, right? Uh, you know, uh, Fargo set in North Dakota, everybody in the movie in North Dakota, actually it's in Minnesota. Yeah. Um, it all takes place around Brainerd, Minnesota. Um, everybody's white. Why? Cause Brainerd is a white monoculture. And, and they all
0: speak a certain way because, <laughs> uh, and
1: if you watch it for the way they speak, it's just, it, that's not why we watch it. <laughs> um, with family, you know, but they got in trouble because, you know, they don't have enough black representation. They don't have enough women. They don't have, although what, you know, having the sheriff be a woman in Fargo, um, you know, and their point back was no. This is a story about then. This is a story about the South at this particular time, and this is completely accurate to when we wrote it. And you can't have a story if you have to just every we have to have an equal number of whites and blacks and men and women, uh, and or we have to have a gay paraplegic black woman. You know, check all the boxes. It's not a story. It's you know, it's just a it's a checklist. Right. And so, you know, it's kind of interesting with Pixar do we have to have the transition story animated or mm. computerized for kids is that where this is going or is it just a part of the character or are they just looking for transgender people to do voices
0: yeah yeah no it's i, I don't know exactly what they're what they're hoping for but yeah they put out the casting call and they're you know looking to fill this this role of this character in an upcoming movie, which I don't think it's been disclosed yet necessarily. I didn't see that. Like, uh, whatever they're making a movie and it's going to have this character and they put out a casting call saying, you need to be this, this and this. And so they're making the headlines because I don't know, they are, they're doing the Lord's work here. <laughs> you know, they're doing the culture's work. <laughs> they're, they're, you know, they're trying to be as inclusive as possible. And they've sort of dip, been dipping their toes in this in the last, uh, several years. Uh, there's that movie they just came out with, I think it was last year, Onward. It had the voices of Chris Pratt and um, the kid, Spider-Man. I don't remember his name. Tom Holland. Um, and in that movie, like at the very end of the movie, there's like a two-second scene where uh, a woman police officer like embraces... What is supposed to be like her girlfriend and like kisses her or something. So they sort of been testing the waters, <laughs> um, is what I was you know reading about. And I, I mean, I saw that movie, so I I saw that. Um, but before, they've also you know they're not intersectional enough, right? They are they get in trouble because it oh that's pandering. That's all you're gonna do, and we're supposed to we're supposed to hurrah you you Pixar for doing these things, you know. Um, you're just pandering and it's offensive and da 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 da. Now they're maybe taking this next step, trying to, um, you know, please the masses, which, of course, you can never do, right? You can never be doing enough work because of, ultimately you'll not be intersectional enough, as is the, you know, as the current discussion amongst, you know, critics of this culture that we're in, us. But my question to you guys is I have a few to sort of keep the discussion going and generated, but do you guys find, you know, as, I mean, you're an older parent, so but you have grandkids. You're a parent. You have what four kids? Four. Four kids. Do you guys find it increasingly harder to um, subject your kids, like willingly subject your kids to these companies like Pixar, who seem to be moving forward with this current, you know, cultural demand for these things that we, of course don't agree with and we have things to say about strong things to say about about your identity and your sexual you know orientation and your 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 gender your race your all these things um is it hard for you as pastors as parents as grandparents you know whatever we're talking about to like willingly put your kids in front of that stuff and i say that not wanting to sound like you know stuck up christian or whatever you know but it's true like they're promoting what we would call sinful behavior lifestyle evil you know is it okay to willingly put your kid in front of that like should we feel different about that and then as a as a branch of that and I, I'll let you guys talk here in just a second like do we put things like that on a scale you know like sin sin and evil whatever like do we put it on a scale where we're willing to put them in front of this but not in front of this like Would you put your kid in front of a murder scene because you, you know, like willingly, like, does it seem to be a scale that we are operating in? I don't know. What do you guys think? We can just sort of organically go
2: about it. Well, for me, there are two issues. Mm -hmm. The first issue would be that that there are a vast number of parents and grandparents out there who recognize these companies for what they were. So they grew up with Disney. They grew up with which was not overt back in the day. They grew up with Pixar as when it first started. They grew up with other entertainment industry companies that that were um, that were not as uh, overt mm-hmm. in in what they were doing. And so so there's there's an element of uh, ignorance uh, in regard to what these companies have have morphed into. And so um, my wife and I, we, we our position is, is that before we subject our children or, which are grown now, so it's pointless, but, but, uh, but our grandchildren, before we're going to subject them to anything, we're going to watch what's in question ourselves and make a determination as to whether it's uh, content that, that, uh, that will provide a uh, discussion or it's content that we don't want to have. Because, because mm-hmm. one of the things that we've been talking about here in church, and, and I was talking about this 30 years ago, 40, 40 years ago, uh, is that um, as believers, we have an obligation to recognize that media is a vehicle um, through which culture is, uh, is affected. And it used to be uh, subversive. It used to be uh, they didn't talk about that. And now you listen to producers and directors and people who make these movies and, and music and what have you. And they say outright that they believe it's their business to affect change within culture mm. towards these various things. So you're, <laughs> you're not going to protect your children or your grandchildren by putting them in a, them in a bubble. Mm-hmm. What you are going to be able to do, though, is you are, are going to be able to say, if you're going to watch this, we're going to watch it together, and then we're going to have a discussion and critique uh, the material that is there and why it's, uh, why it's inappropriate for a believer to, uh, to be aligned with this, with this type of, of uh, material.
1: You know, I think that's right. Um, I do this actively. and It used to be with the kids, like, how old do I think you need to be to see my favorite movies? Um, (laughs) You know, because they're they're great. Um, And now it's increasingly like, no, I want to watch that or I want to read about what the themes are first. Um, And I have, you know, edited out the last two Pixar movies, or I don't know, sequentially, but Coco, because it represents a non-Christian worldview of death. And Mm -hmm. then the newest one with the... Poor guy who falls down the the hole and becomes a ghost. It's a whole jazz story. Oh, soul, soul, yeah, right. No, that's not how this works. Um, and I don't want you watching this and getting the wrong idea about Christian metaphysics because mm. that's not appropriate, right? You know, and increasingly, you know, it's one of those things with the the plank in your own eye sort of things about, you know, the adults and most of the Christians I know are fine watching all sorts of things because we have that filter, but. Christ calls us to be holy, mm-hmm. as he is holy, and okay. to flee from impropriety. I'm going to stop hitting the mic here. Um, and we're kind of in there, but we subject our kids to all kinds of impropriety, because it's just in the movie that we like. And so we're picking which impropriety. Yeah. So on the one hand, it's like, well, no, you can't actually do that. You can't be consistent, because otherwise an, the poor kids are it's, just watching. It's
0: just so untenable, right? If yeah. you're going to carry that through, then... Can you carry it through? You well, know. Well,
1: what's the name of it? Is uh um oh, when I was a little kid, uh, is it McGee and Me? The there was a kind of a Baptist animated fun show, but know. it came out in like 1985 or 88, and we thought it was just the best when we were little kids because you could watch it at church, and it was our version of Edgy Tales. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Yeah. But you know now you're down to just that, and your kids are gonna have to hit popular culture at some point. And it kind of circles around that um, uh, question from Rob Dreher in the Benedict Option as to when do you put pull your kids out? When do you pull yourself out? Is it your job to oppose culture to th- your death or to your mm. um, unemployment or to your kids getting pulled out of school or, or whatever? Or do you need to protect them and just say, this is it, we've gotten too far and we're out?
2: Mm. Yeah, the... Um, in. in and we're talking specific, specifically about movies and like yeah. that. But but even if you watch uh, network television today, you're still going to have to address these issues because they are actively incorporating LGBT. They're actively incorporating, uh, you know, homosexual couples, uh, couples living together. Uh, and so they're promoting lesbianism and what have you, as if it's normal. And, and it, it, again, they used to be, subtle about it uh, over the last two years my wife and I have just noticed that it's uh, um, you know it's it's pretty overt and we've we generally um, you know we watch things like NCIS and and those types of programs that are cop type programs and and they're they're quite overt now Well, and,
1: you know, it's funny you bring up NCIS because about four years ago, three and a half years ago, and it was sad we didn't get to find out what happened to Ziva and Tony. Like, at the end, like, that's about when we stopped watching NCIS because it was this growing sense of disgust on my part that every episode has to have a gay person. And -hmm. it's not just an ancillary sort of, you know, token homosexual. Right. It's so across tv every every show at that point seemed to have to have at least one main homosexual character and i just was looking at how many people are in the show and was like wait a minute you're trying to portray that 25 percent of the population is homosexual Mm. yes by your representation
2: yeah they're trying to make it normative and
1: that's (laughs) not actually statistically true it's like what five percent or less oh, so less no it's it's <laughs> yeah. down in the one and a half to two depending and i, I was think being generous well and there's <laughs> the there's, point is
0: the point is, is taken though
1: <laughs> right so then the other question you know kind of circling around with this uh, yes it's getting harder um and yes there's a concerted effort maybe monty was talking about that before but they are definitely trying to drive this is our job to put this out there
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: um you know, is, do you just give up on Disney and Pixar? Altogether? Well, that's, that's
0: kind of where or I'm, just
1: ones and twos on it. Yeah. Know, right? I, like,
0: yeah. And that's sort of where I, like, I'm trying to juggle and figure it out because the tendency and the, what you're told to do, or, you know, what we're, what we're taught. Yeah. Is if you don't agree with this, then you're, you're against it. Like baby out with the bathwater. Like it's, it's, and that's how people cheat, treat their politics, right? There's no, I agree with you on this, but I disagree. Like it's, you're either with me or you're against me. It's it's right. two sided, you know. And so, are we? Do we treat the media's like that, or should we treat the media's like that? Is it ones and twos, or is it you need to just avoid this because it's heading in a direction that's um, counterproductive to you know our worldview and lifestyle and what it promotes as normal and these things. So it's difficult because you don't want to be on the one hand like the the identity politics type. Type side, right, where it's you're either you're either with me or against me, like you know Sith status, you know. But on the other hand, it's like, well, is it wise to just continue to to take that in? And I don't know.
2: Like, well, I, I stated this earlier, but I'll say it again, but in a different fashion. Um, the the difficulty is is that when Scripture tells us that we are to be in the world but not of the world. It means that we're to understand the culture that we live in and what's going on around us. So part of our ability to be able to minister to the needs of people is to understand the issues that they face. And so while you don't need to be participating in those things, clearly one of the things that is detrimental, in in my view, one of the things that is detrimental to the church uh, at large is, is that there are many people out there that that go under the moniker of Christian who have no concept or idea whatsoever about how their faith interacts with the culture they live in. Yeah, and so uh, they, because they, they essentially cloister, become useless. Yeah, they, well, they have a monastic uh, yeah. philosophy. They cloister themselves and they say, I, I ain't going to touch that. Yeah. Uh, but my position is is that We need to understand, first of all, there's nothing new under the sun. Nope. There's nothing new under the sun. So the early church dealt with these types of issues. We just deal with it in a different dress. But it is still there. And our obligation and responsibility as we teach our children and as we teach within the church is to help people understand that that culture may change, but Scripture doesn't change. And God's position on these things doesn't change. And that, um, you know, when somebody says to me, well, Pastor Monty, the reality of it is uh, you're just homophobic. My response to that is what I am or I'm not is not the issue. God's word says that this is the standard that he sets because he created us as he created us. And I'm not opposed to it. God is opposed to it and and so when you deal with all these types of issues you have to be informed and we and and many believers have what i call the ostrich complex mm. they think they they stick their head in the sand they just think, they they think if they they don't look at it it's going to go away and, and not affect them and that's just not true
1: you know there's a a book from the middle of the century by uh, richard Nyberg called Christ and culture and i commend that to to folks um i think He's wrong at certain points, but that's me. But I was thinking about this in regard to all of these, that he's trying to figure out how Jesus deals with culture, and but culture's always, always been opposed to Christ. Yes. And, I mean, the scripture just flat out says it, right? They, did, they saw him, but they didn't love him, all sorts of things like that. But the least mal- malignant take that you get from culture is sort of um, the song and dance number from Herod, um out of Jesus Christ superstar. You know, as he's doing this like that's that's the yeah. most benign version of culture is you're here to give us a show, you're here to be interesting and, and entertaining and then go. Um, and so if you make demands on me, then no. If you make moral demands, then no. And so Christians are left, you know, kind of looking at Christ and you can have your different views on how he interacts with culture, but we're kind of stuck with a understanding that culture has always hated Christ as he represents the full law of God. They love the saving part, (laughs) but the whole, like I didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it every single Yod and tilde, or Yod and Tittle, depending on where your translation comes from. Like they don't like that, that you get to get the salvation, but you also get to have the complete holiness or at least strive for it here in this life. Yeah. Right. Like those are always going to be at odds. Uh, and so, as parents, right, and and Pastor Monty, since your kids are older, right, you you really get this. But it, you're you, are we are just stuck, right? Uh, Adam and I are stuck with little kids, and we're watching them grow up. But as adults, you're like, you are what you are now, and we pray for our kids and pray that they'll continue in in God's path. But for for parents now, it's kind of like this well, is horrible. One of,
2: well, one of the things where one of the things that uh, we talk about uh, in uh, in my podcast, Truth Time with Pastor Monty, We're going to be getting into well, what we've been talking about is relationship between parent and child. But, but um, the when a child is small, you your your two jobs predominantly are to tell them what to do, and and to rescue them when they when they have issue. As they grow, you have to begin to transition away from that into being a, a master communicator. And what many parents don't do is they never break away from telling their kids what to do and or allowing them to suffer consequence. Mm. And when your kids become older, you have to lay the groundwork to begin a communication with your children to be able to address these things we're talking about. Because their ability to reason, their ability to make differentiations, their ability to understand consequence uh, for action, either positive or negative, uh, are going to be a dynamic part of who they are as an individual. And where I would see most parents have difficulty is that they never establish those lines of communication as their children grow and, and, and allow that relationship to develop.
0: Yeah, gone are the days where you can put your kid in front of a TV as if you ever should have done that, <laughs> and expect them to <laughs> to walk away safely. Uh, a couple comments. <laughs> a couple comments. Um, somebody likes your shirt, so that's good. You've, you've won at least one fan. <laughs> Heidi says. Heidi Parker says what was once considered safe with Disney safe yeah. with Disney Pixar Warner Brothers cartoons etc. Are just showing their true nature that has always been there as a non-Christian worldview. So the safety net that wasn't there in the first place is finally being seen as a spike strip under you. It was never safe to
2: begin with. Yeah, I think I just right. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, there's there's this whole myth that you know as pa- as a pastor I have to deal with that basically America from 1946 until 19 you know 90 was a Christian nation mm. was remarkably Christian. No, no, no. We had our cultural mores, and we set them at that point, but it's actually harder to deal with folks because if you just get into the cult of I'm a good person, I'm a good citizen, I do what I'm supposed to do, I keep up with the Joneses, I mow my lawn, and I pay my taxes, there's not a whole lot of room to introduce, but, yeah, you're still a sinner, Mm. right? And so I like that all of these movies from Disney, from Bambi on up through Toy Story to get a Pixar one, you know, like those are innocent. That's fine, uh, largely, um, but that doesn't mean they're Christian right. And we can find Christian themes because you can find Christian themes wherever you go right. and wonderful talking points, but that's not the same as being actually Christian.
2: or at least they all, and they always had the the, the storyline of good versus evil good wins right and and that's again, that's not even true now. Yeah well, e- and it's a, evil is, is just misunderstood. No. Well, evil
0: isn't evil it's just you've always been misunderstood <laughs> well i mean you know
1: yeah. there's the retelling things and that really good those stories like maleficent where we're going to retell oh, from the other goodness, and yes. those are fun for the adults yes. right i mean that's a very interesting sort of point but the good versus evil and it's always a milk toast evil and the good always wins which doesn't really prepare you for life um so let's all watch the worst star Wars, the second worst star wars ever right which is um empire strikes back I know everybody loves it, but... Well, that's a controversial comment, but keep going. <laughs> right, but in that one, evil wins, right? And it sets you up for number three. Um, and so... Or Maybe number... telling that
2: people love that one so, evil so a- much. So evil <laughs> evil appears to win. Right, well, and you kind of it's get that. A- it appears,
1: but, but you know, at that point, especially if you're at my age, you knew that, well, we'll just get out Return of the Jedi, <laughs> right? And I watch good win again, yeah, right? Yeah, right, right? But, you know... To some extent, I want to build that fantasy for the little guys of good does win, you know, and and kind of get that. Because, man, what a horrible world to just say, well, sometimes evil wins and sometimes good wins. We can introduce you to that when you get into a junior high because that is essentially junior high.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) yeah. So
0: even as an adult, like I was talking about this in church a couple weeks ago, those movies that portray that. And I'm not talking about kids movies at this point. I'm talking about like, you know. Dark dramas or whatever that where something the movie ends on just a bad note, like it, whether it's evil or whether it's, I mean, call it what it is. You know, it it just ends on that gut punch of a note. Even as an adult, those movies are not enjoyable. Like yeah, I can no, appreciate them for different aspects of the movie. You know, it was really well acted, or you know, the, it was tragic because of these reasons. But at the end of the day. I don't need to be reminded that sometimes that happens, <laughs> like well, that, that something bad is, ends as bad, you know? So well, as we a kid, even, out, even right?
1: like on the cop shows, because I love cop shows on uh, the procedural and the whodunit, and especially when the procedural <laughs> works and, you know, it's drawn out, let me draw your attention to Bosch, um, long procedural kind of drama, but this is a Showtime w- show. I think so. Uh, um, maybe Amazon, I know it's on Amazon, yeah. but um, you know, it's all about getting the bad guy. And so when the bad guy gets got, sometimes, you know, the bad guy gets shot and you're like, yay. <laughs> or sometimes the bad guy gets arrested and we're like, well, let's hope they go to jail. <laughs> but all of that elides over the actual evil, the bad guy's done. And you miss out on all of the human tragedy because nobody wants to watch that. Right. There's a whole sort of, you know, kind of philosophy of we're do- only doing this to escape reality. Mm. Um so you can go and read about that in The Poetics from Aristotle, where he talks about catharsis. And the only reason we go to the theater is so that we don't have to kill our neighbor. We can watch our neighbor get killed up on stage and go, oh, sweet. Well, okay. So it's not that big of a deal, right? And that's why we watch these shows. But the for the adults, you know, especially picking up the pieces for a bunch of evil that's happened in the world as a pastor, um, good, uh, good wins at the end of the show. And we need it to win at the end of the show because the rest of our life is picking up all these pieces of the impact of evil or then our bad decisions. That's where I'm at. As a result of evil. Yes. Right. Other people do evil. I get hurt or the people around me get hurt and there's not really recourse and there's not really a good thing other than to say, okay, let's how, how are we going to redeem this situation or how are we going to, you know, get a new job or what are we going to do in the new life with grandma? Who's now paralyzed after the drunk driving accident or whatever. Mm -hmm. Sorry to be grim, but you know, like that's, that's part of it. Yeah. Um,
0: As expected, you drew some criticism for your Star Wars comment.
1: (laughs) Well, I did not say, and I said second worst, right? Because we all agree that episode one should just be uninvented. (laughs) Right? (laughs) (laughs) Uninvented.
0: Josh Josh wants to say that, a Empire is the best. Evil only wins because Luke doesn't follow Yoda's advice. It's a morality tale.
1: Oh, that's probably true. (laughs) But, you know, now we've seen Grogu eating frogs. and. (laughs) You know, I got to rewatch all the Dagobah scene now, knowing that Yoda is the apex predator. <laughs> y'all,
2: that's awesome.
1: Y'all just think too
2: hard about this
1: stuff. No, <laughs> I had a good, you know, I had a good time watching. I don't generally like pick them apart, but the the whiny Anakin as a kid and Jar Jar Binks, which is just the worst character yeah, on the, the, worst face character. Of the planet.
0: Have you ever watched that movie? Side so no. and we can move on to the next topic. But next time you. Choose to subject yourself to that movie because it will be a choice on your part, maybe to teach your kids about what bad filmmaking is or something. <laughs> uh, every time Jar Jar gets on the screen, literally ask yourself the question, what is he doing for the movie at this moment? What is he doing for the plot? What is he doing for this character? How is he helpful in any way, shape, or form? And yes, I've seen the YouTube videos about the, 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 the theory that Jar Jar was the Sith Lord the whole time and, and whatever. Um, but next time you watch that movie, just ask. Okay, so what is Jar Jar doing now? Like, what, what good, what good is he doing for the movie, for this character? How is he developing this, that, or the other thing?
1: And you come up with zero. Oh <laughs> no, actually, that's the most offensive part to me is that his bumbling around actually <laughs> makes the movie move. So there's a bunch of parts where the he, whole
0: thing—he's—he's—he's he's, he's basically the screen wipe.
1: Right, he's he's the new screen wipe. Well, <laughs> he's Nicholas kind of uses. a a he's Deus ex machina <laughs> sort of character <laughs> of like we don't get any further without Jar Jar rolling a seven, but then, ah, <laughs> oh, to just make the entire world focus on this bumbling rube and that's why we win is is ah oh, just painful.
0: <laughs> All right, let's move on. Spent half the show on Pixar. And I normally
2: picture. have uh, I normally have two words that come to mind whenever I. I watch uh, Star the whole Star Wars thing and okay. and uh, Wow and really okay that's <laughs> that's you yeah that's me <laughs> space wizards
0: <laughs> yeah okay so Disney among other many uh, I don't know juggernauts in in, in culture Coca Cola Disney. Uh, Netflix, all these big guys are participating or, or or supporting this new Equality Act. So I'm gonna let one of you guys, maybe you, uh, briefly, briefly uh, uh, describe what the Equality Act is in re- in relation to what's going on with these big companies like Disney and, and Coca-Cola and, and Netflix and Hulu and, uh, you know, there's a whole list of them, but you read the article, I'm sure.
2: I read the article. I mean, the bo- the bottom line is is that this is a this is a, an addendum to the the um, civil rights. Well, title. it's really an addendum to the whole issue of uh, where do we get our value from? Okay. So Black Lives Matter, et cetera, et cetera, where where there's been an emphasis in society to say your value is linked to something that you have no control over. And if you're not the special thing where there is, uh, so if you're not the right color, you're not the right uh, deal, identified then this you're, way, sexually Yeah, you're, you, you're not of any value. And this is an addendum to that saying, basically speaking, we don't like the phrase that, that uh, all men are created equal in our Constitution, Uh, Rather, we're going to gravitate towards the idea that uh, we need to have equity, Mm. that all groups are represented uh, appropriately. And so, and, and that's the reason why you see this heavy emphasis then for all of these groups to try to include with this whole intersectionality thing, all these different groups vying for position, uh, to say that uh, they're as legitimate as anybody else. Because, of course, that's where they derive their value from. But what's happening within each of the groups is that these groups then, <laughs> uh, which is, you know, that's, that's the makeup of man, these, these uh, men and women, um, these, these groups then try to destroy the other groups and make them of no value at all. So that's so you have them tr- then trying to cancel out other groups, mm. um, but but that's really what it's the point is to do away with the idea you have value because of who God created you to be. All are created equal because God created you to say no. That's not true. Your value comes from uh, there's no value to a white person whatsoever. But your value comes from being black or being homosexual or being lesbian or transgender or whatever. I mean, it's just it's it's crazy.
0: Do you want to fill in any blanks before I ask uh, you know a couple of questions regarding it?
1: Um, no, you know that that kind of seems to be the the on the face of it kind of we're going to trade. Um, I think equity is the dumbest idea ever for a variety of reasons. Um, I'll go back to William Buckley from his bit with Gore Vidal. Um, I'm not that old, but I I I was going to
2: say, my goodness, you're dating yourself.
1: (laughs) Well, that was 20 years before I was born, so woo. Um, But Buckley has this really good point where he says there's no such thing as equality if you have freedom because everybody makes different choices, and as soon as you make one choice that's different, you're no longer equal. Right. And, and you just start this thing rolling. And so there's some choices that we should maybe proscribe and say, yeah, you shouldn't get that choice. Um, although in America, that's kind of a tougher sell. Um, but he actually happens to be right. And our entire society is based on that. Uh, and so I'm all for, you know, find me the real racists, not the people with a different political opinion, but the people doing horrendous things based on race and let's go fight them together and, and re-educate them and, and tell them this is not Christ-like and this is not appropriate. But once that's stopped, let's let everybody make their own choices again.
2: Right. So, um, and be responsible to the consequence of the choice.
1: Right, right. Well, and so, you know, I kind of think there's, there's there's kind of a twofold sort of thing going on. The the culture at large likes the idea of this because everybody wants everybody to win mm-hmm. at the end and kind of it's from the same good versus evil thing. And I want everybody to win, but I have one of those jobs where I see lots of people who try their hardest and lose um, because that's how it is, whether it's the natural consequences or their own previous choices, choices yeah. or whether it's ordained by God. Um, you know, sometimes he calls you home, right? And you lost that cancer battle. Um, So that's part when we can talk about it. But the other half of this is um, actually intensely political and is a work of one political party trying to silence the church. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's anything else than that. Right. I think that this is just a straight attack on the church. And I can hear all the people shouting about, no, we just want everybody to win and equity. But None of the politicians are actually talking about that.
2: No, they're not. One they're of the
0: uh, one of the quotes from the article that Josh posted on the on the on the video, so if you're watching and you are reading about it now, at the end of it, it's this is coming from um, the president of a seminary school in somewhere in the South. I can't right. remember. Right. Um, he says the Equality Act therefore represents the threat of government coercion against a certain structure of theology, doctrine, and morality. This means the threat of the state Directed against any claim of divine revelation that contradicts the new morality, the newly minted definition of merit, and the newly constructed rights of the LGBTQ revolution. So exactly to your point, like it's an attempt to, yeah, overthrow what's previously been put in place to allow those things to, you know, to, however you want to say that, uh, disagree, (laughs) allow them to disagree, to put it, you know.
1: Well, and you know, to those with, who are Christians who are afraid, okay, on the one hand, we survived under Rome, we'll survive under the Equality Act should it be passed, but it has to be passed. And then there's going to be test cases, and it really will depend on whether um, the federal government actually gives you and honors your due process or whether they shunt you off into a human rights sort of committee, the bureaucrats, and then you never get your day in court. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, as we watched with Sweet Cakes with Doug and Melissa, right, right their due process is violated across oh, the board. This is the bakery. This, this is, is the bakery, bakery okay. with the gay wedding cake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Uh, in Colorado, Colorado just across the board never gives them their day. De- they're charged with a a actual crime. They're fine. and they never get a day in court until they sue and end up at these. The I believe it's the state supreme court, and they lose, and then. Um, they win at the National you know, Supreme Court of the United States, um, who doesn't find in their favor, um, who finds that the... Well, finds in their favor, but not for uh, freedom reasons, just finds that Colorado has had a direct and personal animus against this couple, mm. um, which is mm-hmm. not the ruling that we were all hoping for, Right, um, but it's a very different court today than the court that found for them two years ago. Um, and the majority and the argumentation, uh, will be different. And so, um, you could, should the Equality Act be passed, have a five or seven year kind of slog with churches being essentially fined out of existence, um, by various states until they get to the Supreme Court. Um, and then we, we kind of have it out there and hopefully get a decent result, um, I, having watched a lot of these, I don't think that the state can actually act against churches without displaying the animus they actually have. Mm. So I don't know that we'll actually get to one of these where it's just the um, just the facts of the case and just whether or not you can do it. I think there's always going to be this additional kind of the bureaucrats are running around crazy and glee and doing horrendous things and violating your rights all over.
2: Yeah, I, th- I mean, eventually what we see is we, is we see the when – the, when the Constitution of the United States was originally set up, it was set up to uh, – particularly with what was going on in England and, and uh, people keeping in mind that there was uh, a, uh, a desire to control people through the church. And when the Constitution was set up, the church was specifically exempted uh, from many things, because of the fact, and, and, and so that that religious liberty was put in there uh, to offer a protection, because ideally the experiment of the United States was that it was it was uh, it was a new society with new protections built in uh, for the individual, and it was and 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 religious faith and belief was recognized to be true. And people were encouraged to openly uh, uh, have that happen in an open society. What we see happening now is that there is a, uh, a, an effort, a, a strong effort now. It's been there for, for probably the last 40 or 50 years that the effort has been going on. But now it's coming to a head where they're actively trying to destroy uh, the church's um, position in an open society and what it will do, it will drive us under, uh, underground. Many, their desire is either to remove the idea that churches are somehow exempt uh, from many of the regulations which others would have to deal with and/or, uh, and or, and so by doing that, uh, the other aspect is they'll either do it uh, in these ways or they will go after a church exemption uh, for, uh, for what's happening as far as the Internal Revenue Code is concerned. Uh, or they will try to bankrupt churches uh, through not being able to legally battle um, what's going on. And so they'll just drive churches. Uh, base. Basically, what's going to happen is that those who are true to the Word of God will be driven underground.
0: So I have a couple questions that I believe have been answered in a more in-depth way, but to put it plainly, do you guys think that in this effort to create equity, um, you know, equal treatment, um, we're actually seeing the uh, the anti <laughs> version of that? Like, in an effort to create equity, what we're actually seeing is just a forced worldview.
1: Well, yeah, because nobody's interested in equity. Everybody's interested in retribution. Mm. And the only version of equity that's coming out of the left is we'll only be equal when all the white people are gone and we have all their stuff. Or we'll only be equal and we'll only be made right when all the Christians are martyred, um, depending on which version of the left you're, you're in. And so it's not about making us equal or or restoring us. If we were actually interested in restoration, there's a whole lot of other things that the church would actually stand up and applaud that the culture could do or the government could do. Sure. Um, but no. So um we're we're not headed there uh together. Um and you know, one of the other worrisome things, and I've noticed this since about well, since I became a pastor is there's a large swath of the, church, of the culture, some of them are church, some of them are not, who view religious life as a hobby. Hmm. So these are not deeply held personal beliefs. These are not metaphysical realities. They're just a hobby. So when the government comes in and says you have to provide, uh, for instance, under the Affordable Care Act, you have to provide uh, birth control in your health plan no matter what, Um, There's no room, and they're just shocked and offended, and the entire argument is, but you can't do this, you can't have those beliefs, and it's not an argument about the beliefs, it's an argument that, based on that it's a hobby for me, it's a hobby for you, and so what's the big deal with telling a stamp collecting club, right, where you don't have metaphysical realities, you don't have deeply held beliefs, you like stamps, Right. And so the church is seen as the Audubon Society, well, not as as vaunted as the Audubon Society. So a stamp club or a rowing club or a drinking club. Um, And so um, that's the position of the federal government at this point. Um, And maybe not the elected figurehead, but the day to day workers, religion is only a hobby. And if we violate or upset your hobby, it's no big deal. It's just a hobby. Right.
2: But at least the the uh, as it's as it's wound its way through the courts, uh, which is uh, takes a lot of time, as you stated earlier. Th- at least both Hobby Lobby and and uh, and the Roman Catholic the Sisters of Little of Sisters of the, of the Poor, of the yep. poor th- they were vindicated.
1: Yeah, they were, and it's one of my points on a completely different side show about how the Amer- the Affordable Care Act was only looking for um, uh, consequence-free, publicly-funded abortion, and if they just would have gone for that instead of mucking it up with a pretend health care scheme, it would have been way cheaper because all they ever litigated was on the defense side of it was, um, you know, regulating people getting the abortion coverage, getting the the abortive patients, all of the, the health care stuff. Yeah, the
2: Unaffordable Care Act was uh, was uh, hoisted on the American public uh, and is is so false in, in all kinds of ways.
1: So, you know, I want health care, too, but there's there's deep issues, and it's not what the language on the paper says, and this is true for the Equality Act, it's what we're willing to litigate. And so they were forced to defend its existence um, on a variety of fronts that they would weren't looking for that fight, but it found them But they went after and forced litigation on other people on this, the the uh, birth control and access to abortions And all of those those things so that tells you it's really not a law about health care It's really a law about forcing public abortions And they should have just taken all that money and opened up free government b- abortion clinics and it would have been cheaper so. On on that note, let's let's move on. <laughs> Super.
0: <laughs> uh, let's get back to something a little bit more on the nose pop cultural pop culturally. Okay, so culture appropriation specifically. Uh and <laughs> uh, David said he has some things to say about this, but um, Justin
2: I'm, I'm growing out my hair so that I can have dreadlocks. Nice. Okay, so on I that, note, see that
0: on that note of Pastor Monty getting dreadlocks, <laughs> Justin Bieber <laughs> Justin Bieber uh, and Gwen Stefani. Formerly of No Doubt, currently of Blake Shelton, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, they're both in the in the fire right now, in the thick of it, um, facing you know charges of cultural appropriation, uh, and um, the reason why is because, as Pastor Monty alluded to, Justin Bieber uh, is apparently um, grown out locks dreadlocks, you know, uh, they're at the beginning of stages, um, and that's you know he's being he's being targeted for uh, you know inappropriately appropriating black culture um, and you know I don't know mocking it or making light of it taking what is something that they've been traditionally th- that's been traditionally held against them or they've you know been used against them and you know using it for his own you know fame and self self whatever I don't know what you call it uh, and then on the other on the other end Gwen Stefani has this new song this new music video where she's you know, same thing, appropriating black culture with her, her style, her look, the way she's dancing, um, this and that. So they're both sort of in the thick of it, um, from the black community in specific right now, but probably, you know, woke white people as well. Uh, <laughs>
1: mostly woke white people. Probably, huh?
0: <laughs> um, so just as a basic question to start off, what's, what's with this consistent drama surrounding the idea of cultural appropriation? Why is it to continue to just dog people?
1: Well, it's one of the easiest ways to silence somebody is to shout a cultural appropriation, and especially people who are largely innocent, and I'll leave Justin Bieber out of that. Um, <laughs> although, uh, he seems to have cleaned himself up and gotten his life sort of back on track, let's hope and pray, right? Like
0: From the outside looking in, it, from seemed, the outside looking it would in. seem to be that
1: way. Right. <laughs> but Gwen Stefani has been largely fairly innocent of most things, And so, I kind of suspect this is sort of a attack since her relationship with Blake Shelton of Country Doom, right? So, country music is just sort of seen as this monolithically Republican, conservative sort of thing, even though it's not, right? Um, So, I suspect that's where where that's headed. But um, from our previous conversations via, you know, the the before the show, right? uh, It's just all dumb. Um I mean yes, you can be offensive, right, with cultural appropriation and you sure. can intend to wound. But that's not what's going on with either of these people.
2: Yeah, I you know, it, it's interesting and it's a big deal nowadays. And I think it's a big deal because people are those who are on the left who shout loudest about this cultural appropriation thing are are always part of their part of their deal is that they have uh, their busybodies. First of all, I think that, the, mm. <laughs> that there's, a, there's a, a huge element of our culture, which are just busy, busybodies. Yep. They don't COVID pay, doesn't the, help. They don't pay attention to their own life issues, but they want their nose in everybody else's issue. So we have that going on. But, but they've also uh, found out within the last several years that if they just yell and scream loud enough, that uh, they can cause trouble. They're, they're troublemakers. Mm. And the whole cultural appropriation thing, you know, if you want to go back in history uh, and, and look at, uh, it, particularly in the music industry, look at cultural appropriation, we could talk about Elvis Presley. Well, I was going to say all of
1: rock, yeah, and then the yeah. whitewashing of jazz, which gave us some fantastic musicians. Yes, uh, I mean it was good jazz. I mean Lawrence Welk is kind of a low, low mark, uh, but um, there are fantastic. I mean Benny Goodman, yeah, yeah. and but that's
0: the thing we're seeing though too. On <clears throat> on that note, is people are going back in history and, po- I never know how to pronounce the word pos- posthumously mm-hmm. when
1: you're you right, know, yeah,
2: posthumously, yeah,
1: canceling people. Right. Well, and again, for music lovers, that's just going to be dumb because um, I like Benny Goodman and I'm going to keep listening to him. I like Maynard Ferguson. Uh, I play the trumpet and he does too. And so, you know, it's just going to be great. But I also like um, Lionel Hampton um, and Thonese Monk. And so, you know, to, to just go through the jazz folks, um, you know, the, one of the reasons it's dumb is good is good and bad is bad. Yeah.
2: And if you're producing a good product, who cares? Uh, you know And some and so, and the artists that you're talking about and many others, like Elvis Presley, for example, they uh some of them uh did it well and some of them sucked.
1: <laughs> when I happen to think that Elvis is on the I, I am not an Elvis fan, but there are others who are right in there with him. Yeah. You know, who did it really well. Yeah. Um mostly I just don't like Elvis's vocal quality. Um, but he was tremendously successful
2: at his time. He was not well liked only because of his vocal quality well I'm aware of that he had unique um, stage presence. oh yeah he, he that's was...
1: that's generous yeah. um, there's a reason that the the um, television producers would not allow Elvis Presley to be seen above the waist he had yeah. he had some totally sweet moves yeah. um, you know and to that extent every once in a while you can see those moves in other places and nobody's screaming at usher about culturally appropriating Elvis or beer for that matter who is you know, I mean, the with, the, <laughs> yeah. with the dance, you know, the <laughs> dance stuff. So, you know, one of the things that troubles me about this is, you know, like I said, good is good and bad is bad, is underneath there's this presupposition that we can take whatever we want from Western culture, and that's open and free, but anything that comes from another culture is uh, sacrosanct. It's hands-off, Right, right. And so... I don't think that's actually the case. I th- one, I again, I think cultural appropriation is dumb. Don't be offensive on the other hand, like try to hurt people. Yeah. But on the other hand, if we're going down the cultural appropriation thing and if you shout about it loudly enough, then I'm going to say no western medicine for you, no cars for you, no airplanes for you because those are all western things that western people who happen to be white by a bunch of accidents of history right ended up creating
2: <laughs> no bluegrass for you
1: no blue well yeah so i cannot go back and listen well i can apparently but you know uh listen to bluegrass covers of uh michael jackson hits because <laughs> billy jean by um what's the yeah. name billy yeah billy B- jean jean by allison krauss um yeah you know it's just fantastic <laughs> so you know the this is the more offensive part like no stop western medicine if you're worried about cultural appropriation stop using western medicine yeah um, it's
0: just another one of those things that's well if, if you're gonna if you're gonna claim that you know ideology or whatever then be consistent with it well know, it,
1: it's untenable well, and it hides <laughs> a lot of other injustice in the world um there are reasons it's a very first world problem we call it (laughs) right but like if you've watched the news this is not so much a pop culture thing but there's a tremendous COVID 19 outbreak in india yeah yeah and why india is having this there's a bunch of cultural stuff that goes on in india that is internal that i won't get into that bill gates fault uh (laughs) (laughs) kind of but why aren't we helping them because they're half a world away they're poor and they're not white and we cannot other than intellectual skill we can't steal any of their
2: natural resources right well you know the the thing is is that with with cultural appropriation look we're the united states is a mixing pot of cultures to begin with and has years after its inception where we begin to have the issue of immigration and people gravitating towards the United States, um, you have all this, uh, all these different cultures which are represented. The nature of man is that uh, if you if you see some, regardless of the culture it comes from, if you see something that you like. And then there's the desire for you to associate with that and incorporate it into who you are as an individual beca- because of the creative nature of who we are. Right. And then make it your own. So we have all of this culture that surrounds us that comes from other cultures yeah. that um, we like.
0: Yeah, and it used to be considered like flattery. Yeah.
2: Right. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, not. that
1: is the aphorism, right? Imitation is the highest form of flattery. Yes, yeah. exactly. And if you do it well... That's fantastic. Yeah. You know, I was just thinking about the entire the entirety of Gwen Stefani's career has been based off yeah, of Yeah, Josh mentioned Scott Har- and Har- Harajuku
0: girls anyone? She's using Japanese well, <laughs> women as part of her I, I, new formed solo career. I was
1: less excited about that that her solo career although I listened to the the album. Uh then <laughs> the entire time with no doubt which has for the most part yeah. white kids playing uh, just straightforward ska reggae kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. that those overtones and yep. and I like no doubt. <laughs> it's it's you know partially because they came out when I was in high school and that's always your most cherished yeah. music. But you know it it is what it is. So I'd like to kind of see if culture could go away from the whoever shouts the loudest gets the most attention. Um, but I since don't we think it will. well yeah it's
0: really it's really interesting because yeah to your point about. American culture in specific, like, we used to be, you know, that used to be part of the American identity that we're supposed to, like, hold, hold so dear, is, like, we're a melting pot nation, you know, and this makes us great for all these reasons, and we can borrow the best parts of this and this and this and, this and create this great thing, and now how do you have that while also fearing this like it well part makes of the, it not that we should find our identity in being american you know well, and, no, no
2: part of the problem is, is that the current society the, the society that exists today so millennials <laughs> on down are woefully historically ignorant yes and <laughs> and so they don't they don't have final the, thoughts we got a the few minutes left. want or desire historically to understand where we where we've come from and where we're headed to because they just dismiss that altogether. And that's one of the reasons why we are in the position we're in today.
1: Well, and it's always a fight, too. I mean, there's the there's the business with the, the millennials and some of the Xers in terms of their miss or maleducation, um, and we'll, we'll work on that. Mm-hmm. But it's always a fight to remain holy as God calls you to be holy. And, and as we walk through each of these topics, right, there's just the – fundamental biblical call you need to be different you need to be like your savior you need to love everybody for who they are regardless of their orientation or skin color or their uh, immigration status you need to continue to always do what's right for your kids for you if you're a father then you're going to be judged on that and i'm terrified by that Mm -hmm. as we all should be right but do better and so it's just one of those things where like, you get this little piece of pop culture, this little piece of pop culture, but the word of God remains the same.
2: I give you Isaiah 40. And, and, as, and believers, those who are disciples of Christ, they are to gravitate towards association with Jesus Christ and with the holiness that is there and not to associate with culture. No, I mean to 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 so that they are linked to culture. We are not to be linked. identity. We are yes. Right. Our identity is not in the world which surrounds us. Our identity is in the the Lord Jesus Christ, and that always has to be our focus. And man
1: is that hard. It is hard. Ah, uh, because all of this stuff that we have talked about is a distraction by Satan.
2: Yes. Yeah. And you That's know. That's why the path is narrow.
1: There's not a whole lot I can say about that, you know. I mean, that's what Jesus says, right? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I, you know, and and it's it. If the cultural part, you know, it's it's you need to be running after Jesus. Let culture do culture and participate in the parts that are fun and fine and and that you get because there are some fantastic parts of culture. Yeah. Um. But always be running after Jesus. Yes. And yeah, that's again always going to be a challenge. And Satan throws this thing or that thing up in front of us. And and um.
0: Yeah, and just sort of tie the whole thing in together, you know, in terms of how we can be useful to the world around us in regards to how we plug into culture and, you know, not that we find our identity in the culture and stuff, but like the apostle Paul was like a master at this. Mm -hmm. Like he became what you needed him to be, you know, whether it was a Jew or whether it was this or whether it was that, like this is a good example while at the same time remaining in who God is, you know, Mm -hmm. and following Christ. So, yep. I wonder what today's world would say about this man. <laughs> Probably nothing
1: good. <laughs> no, nothing good. Um, I mean, he's weird. Um, you know, it's one of those things where uh, the he's culture bit, still... <laughs> well, the culture still recognizes holiness, absolute holiness, right? It's why we're all convinced that Billy Graham is a saint, and he is, even if we're not Catholic, right? Uh, Mother Teresa, again, we just recognize holiness, and there's something that draws us to it jesus right like that that is what it is but you know if you have any whiff of not saint about you um i'll give you franklin graham Hmm. you know where those are big footsteps to fill big shoes to fill and franklin doesn't always do it Hmm. right and until very very recently uh ravi zacharias right huge shoes to fill um and the world kind of recognizes it and doesn't know what to do with it um so on a different Different day we can talk about <laughs> non overlapping Christianity, right. Right.
0: <laughs> right? All right, guys. Well, thank you for, um, yeah, thank you for being here, David. Thank you for being here specifically. Thanks for having um, me, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to episode four of season four. And I uh, look forward to the next episode in a couple weeks, episode five. So, on that note, adios.
1: The views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship. You are listening to.